Aging options, how can we help? I'm calling with a question about Medicaid. It's time to know your options and master your future. So I'm looking for some advice, things to consider about retirement community. My life, my plan, my way. He wanted us to roll his 401k in to an IRA, and we wondered if that was wise. LifePoint Law presents Aging Options with elder law attorney and life planning coach Rajiv Nagayic. Rajiv has one of the most innovative elder law practices in the country. Health, housing, finance, legal, and family. He has significant assets, and I'm just wondering how those assets can be protected. Know your options. There just didn't seem to be a thing that I mentioned that you didn't already know. Aging Options is not a law firm, but Rajiv is a lawyer. You should not reveal things you wish to keep confidential in this public setting. This program offers only general advice. Having your questions answered does not create an attorney-client relationship. Contact your attorney or other professional to discuss your unique needs before taking any action related to the subjects discussed in this program. Now, here is nationally recognized retirement planning authority and host of the national public television program, Master Your Future, Rajiv Nagayich. Welcome to Aging Options, where we uncover the mysteries of retirement planning. Retirement planning should not be a mystery at all. Indeed, it is a dream that we look forward to all our lives, but it turns into a mystery when you realize that 70% of all retirees end up failing in retirement. Why does that happen? And why should it happen? Those are the mysteries that we ponder and give you tools so that you can succeed, not fail in retirement. On today's edition of Aging Options, as always, we are going to cover some stories that are on the agingoptions.com website. First one, Medicare and travel. With COVID restrictions being lifted, and people eager to travel again, well, you'd want to make sure that Medicare will cover your travel plans as well. Another story that we have is financial emergencies. If you had to deal with a financial emergency, that seems to derail even the best laid out retirement plans. How could you navigate that path without getting burnt in the process? The third story we have is pretty interesting and near and dear to me, the psychology of decluttering. We have accumulated stuff all our lives. And now, I think we know that it's time to go ahead and declutter. But how do you go about doing that? It's a big challenge for most people. But as always, it's not the stories that probably are as important as what's on your mind. If you have a question on retirement planning, give us a call at 877-76-AGING and we'll find the right answer for you. Because look, in the end, you want to succeed, not fail in retirement. So let's get started, shall we? Hey, and this is the season where we have to be talking about the good news about the vaccines. I hope you've got one. If not, you're pretty close to getting one. And with the vaccines being rolled out, we know the COVID is on the down and travel is on the rise. And if you've got the travel bug and you're thinking about traveling, the one caution that I would give you is, be sure that you understand the limits of your health insurance plan if you're going to travel. You want your health insurance to travel with you. And remember, Medicare has got all sorts of rules and regulations. The most obvious is that Medicare generally is a place you can look to if you are within the United States of America. 
if you travel overseas, there is precious little coverage that travels with you. So be sure you remember to get travel insurance if you're going overseas. And even when you're traveling within the United States, many insurance companies will consider you to be out of network if you travel outside the network, which means that if you fall ill in an area that is not in your network, there will be higher deductibles, there will be higher co-payments, and that will be a surprise bill that you may have to deal with. So be sure that you check into your insurance policy before you embark on the journey. And again, if you have any questions, I know we can help. Give us a call, 877-76-AGING. That's 877-762-5464. Or you can email us at radio at agingoptions.com. That's radio at agingoptions.com. Another story that we have is financial emergencies. Financial emergencies we know can derail even the best laid out plans. I mean, we, we've saved money over our lifetimes. But maybe there's an expense that we were not anticipating, whether it's a medical bill that you are having to deal with because Medicare does not cover everything, whether it is a housing expenditure that you were not counting on that comes into play. How do you deal, how do you navigate with these surprise expenses that seem to play havoc on a retirement? In the story itself, there are several different options that you can take a look at, and then we'll add our own twist to the whole thing. I mean, the article is pretty straightforward. It just basically points out that when somebody has to deal with a surprise emergency, we run into challenges that we were not easily anticipating having to deal with. The one thing that you want to do is to Tap into easy-to-access funds, maybe the savings accounts that you have. Uh, try not to dip into the retirement account. If you're counting on that retirement account to last you the rest of your life, that's probably not the place that you want to look into. Um, maybe as you're dealing with this financial emergency, remove the extras from your budget. Take a look at the expenditures that you have. Are there any expenses that you can get rid of or eliminate uh, that might help you deal with the emergency in the long run. Uh, examine your bills. Sell a big ticket item. Maybe there's something in the house that you don't need anymore. Maybe it's an extra car that is sitting in the garage, hasn't been driven very much. You just start it up, take it down the block every two or three months just to give it a spin. Maybe that's a car that you can get rid of or some other t big ticket item like that. Can you relocate? Can you downsize? Can you get a handle on your expenses that way? That could be one option you should be looking at. And this is a particularly interesting one that most of us don't think about. Do you have a life insurance policy that you've been hanging on to for some time which you don't need anymore? Well, instead of getting rid of it or hanging on to it, thinking that, well, it'll pay, pay off when I pass away, which may be many years from today, can you sell this policy? There are several companies that will actually buy your life insurance policy. You don't have to drop the policy in order to save premiums. If you're going to be getting rid of it, you can actually sell it. And they will give you some cash in your pocket for use right away today. You should take a look at, and, and you know, while you're taking a look at all this, don't forget the tax implications. If you're selling something, maybe there's a tax gain to be paid, a capital gains tax to be paid on the gain, which would lower the amount of money you will be able to keep in your pocket. 
And then finally, look for any number of 0% loan opportunities, whether it is credit cards or whether it is uh, other types of loans that you can get. Take a look at those opportunities that you have in front of you. And finally, the one that you know this article does not discuss, which I think is important for us, is to take a look at maybe the possibility of accessing some of the equity in the house by way of using a reverse mortgage. Now, mind you, you know, over the years, I have been very clear about the whole thing. Just because you have access to a reverse mortgage doesn't mean that you should just easily tap into it. It probably is the last big bastion of hope that you have by way of equity in a big asset, and this may be the last place you want to take a look at. But you should only look into a reverse mortgage if you have considered all your other alternatives. So there are lots of different options you have. And again, if you have any questions about these, you can give us a call at 877-76-AGING, and maybe we can discuss this. If you have a question, surely we have probably some guidance for you on how best to navigate this path that you're on. And the third story that you'll find on agingoptions.com is uh, about decluttering. And you know, yeah, you know it. You have spent a lifetime accumulating stuff. And somewhere in your heart, you know, it is time to declutter. But where do you begin? Where do you start? This is a great article on agingoptions.com. Go take a look at it. It'll get you started. And if you have any questions about it, of course, you can give us a call at 877-76-AGING. That's 877-76-AGING. Or email us at radio at agingoptions.com. And speaking of calls, let's go to the phone. Hi, this is Aging Options. How can I help? Um, I am looking into a long-term care insurance. I'm 64, and uh, my husband is 72. So um, where does this fit in the total picture uh, from your perspective? Wow, that is such a great question. And long-term care insurance policy should be on everyone's minds. Indeed, the single biggest financial threat anyone is going to face in retirement is if you fall ill and Medicare says there is no coverage. Why? Because you don't need help with a medical issue that can be cured. You need help with a medical issue for which there is simply no cure. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, old age, frailty, everything that we are more likely to deal with as we are walking deeper into retirement, typically there's no medicine that's going to get you better. And what you're going to need is someone to help cook for you, clean for you, get you out of bed, get you into the shower, everything that we call long-term care needs. And none of those things are going to be covered by your health insurance. So the only place that you're going to find some coverage is a long-term care insurance policy. And make no mistake about it, it's a great way for you to protect your retirement assets. But the question I think you ought to be asking is not whether this is a good product. The, it is uh, undoubtedly, it's something that we all should be considering. The real question you should be asking is, should I invest in this product? Just because it's a great product, a great solution, doesn't mean that it belongs in your financial bucket. The real question you need to go ahead and ask in, in long-term care is not whether you can afford the premium today, but will you be able to afford the premium 10, 15 years down the street when the premiums have doubled or, God forbidden, tripled? 
will you be able to afford making the premium payments? Because if you cannot afford the premium payments, what will be your choice? Drop the policy and lose all the money to the insurance company. So I think you're asking the right question. Should you be looking at a long-term care policy? And at 64 and 72, I think you're right about at the right age that you have some options. And today, when you take a look at long-term care insurance policies, remember, it's not just the old uh, traditional long-term care policies you can opt into. You can still buy the old traditional long-term care policies where you will go to an insurance company, you'll get undergo a medical examination, and based on the amount of benefits you want the insurance company to pay either per day or per month, and how much of a deductible you're willing to get, they will quote you a, a premium. The problem with this premium is it's not fixed forever. This is a like a health insurance plan. The premiums are going to increase over time, and that's where you have to kind of sit back and think about that if 10 years from today, 15 years from today, the premiums are doubled or tripled, will I be able to continue to pay the premiums on my fixed income in retirement? But there's an alternative to this traditional plan that you can look into, and it's called an asset-based policy. So insurance companies have figured out that not too many people are excited about putting money into a policy where the premiums are only going to go up, and there is no guarantee that you may ever end up needing to use the policy. I mean, indeed, one of the downsides of a traditional policy is you invested in the policy, you paid over many, many years, tens of thousands of dollars, and then you were lucky enough to go to sleep and not wake up. Or you needed long-term care, you used it only for a month or two months or three months. In which case, you would have made the insurance company very rich, and which is why I, I think you know some people who go through that see absolutely no value in the long-term care insurance policy. So the insurance companies have introduced an asset-based policy, and what that policy does is this. Instead of making a premium payment each month, you go to the insurance company and say, I'm willing to give you an X amount of money, either in a lump sum or over a period of time, five years, 10 years, 15 years. I'm willing to give you, let's say, $150,000 or $200,000 by way of premium. And the insurance company will say, okay, well, if you give us that premium, here's the promise we will make. If you happen to be lucky enough to go to sleep one day and not wake up, who would you like for us to give this money back to? So you don't lose that money, right? So it's like investing either in an annuity or a life insurance policy. So if you don't use the benefits, that money is not lost. It'll go to somebody in your family. But if you did need the long-term care plan, the insurance company will pay you two to three times a multiple of the amount of money that you have invested with the insurance company, right? So... If you have put in $100,000 and the multiple is three times, then you will be entitled to $300,000 worth of long-term care benefits. And those policies today make one heck of a whole lot more sense. But again, money that you put into this policy, you're not able to invest for your other retirement needs. And again, the question is going to be, can you afford to take money away from retirement planning or retirement investments and invest it into a long-term care policy instead? So my suggestion is instead of running to an insurance agent and saying, I'm thinking about buying a long-term care insurance policy, go to a financial analyst or a financial planner and ask them to help you build a retirement dashboard. With a dashboard, you will know whether you have the financial bandwidth to be able to invest money either into a traditional long-term care policy or an asset-based policy. I hope that helps you. And it's time to 
go to our fun feature that we've been playing. Yeah, you got it. It's another edition of What Year Was It? When the Batman series debuts on ABC television, the U.S. population exceeds 195 million. Ronald Reagan enters politics by becoming the governor of California, and this was the most popular song of the year. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Okay, now, what year was it? Was it 1965, 66, or 67? We'll give you the answer by 11 o'clock. It's an uncomfortable fact by age 85, more than half of us will struggle with some form of dementia. The families dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and other serious conditions will face a financial crisis that traditional retirement planning simply does not address. Learn how to protect your assets and protect your quality of life at a free and groundbreaking Life Care online class sponsored by LifePoint Law and presented by elder law attorney and retirement planning coach Rajiv Nagayach. There is no substitute for good planning. It means peace of mind for you and those you love. Join Rajiv Nagayich for an upcoming free, no-obligation online class Tuesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m., Tuesday, March 30th at 6 p.m., or an in-person class in Federal Way Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. Bring your questions and get answers. Find out more and make your reservations now. Join Rajiv for one of these free, no-obligation classes at LifePointLaw.com or by calling 253-838-3454. LifePoint Law, located at 319 South Suite A100, Federal Way, Washington, 98003. Does someone you love need care in the home? An elderly parent or relative? A spouse dealing with a long-term illness? Maybe a family member facing a disability? HomeWatch Caregivers can help. With more than 40 years of experience providing compassionate care, HomeWatch Caregivers is America's oldest and most experienced home care company. We know what to do, we know how to help, and we know how to make care affordable. Whether you need help on a full-time basis or just a few hours a week, our trained and experienced caregivers are matched to meet your needs. We can even help with access to on-call physician support along with in-home care. Why not let our family take care of yours? HomeWatch Caregivers, Western Washington's best home care. Call us today at 253-564-1006 to schedule your free consultation. That's 253-564-1006, 253-564-1006, or visit us on the web at homewatchcaregivers.com. Homewatch Caregivers, let our family take care of yours. Now back to Aging Options. My life, my plan, my way. Changing the way America thinks of, plans for, and navigates through retirement with life planning coach Rajiv Nagayach. And welcome back to Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagayach. Let's go straight to a call. Welcome to Aging Options. How can I help? My father showed me his will um, about 10 years ago, but six years ago he married a woman who has um, fired his lawyer that he loved and had for many years. And um, she has changed the will, and he is keeping this quiet, private. And last week on the program, you mentioned when there was a sister situation that it is the law to expose the terms of the will to all of those involved. I am interested in what is that law, and how can I find more about it? 
Boy, first of all, let me just say my heart goes out to you, dear. You're you're fighting a tough battle up here. When I was talking about the law that requires the will to be exposed is after dad passes away. That's when the will is required to be exposed to all those people who have been named as a beneficiary in the will. While dad is living, he has no obligation to expose the will to anyone. Uh, and indeed, what you're finding is, which, which is very typical, right? When when mom and dad were living, they had very clear ideas about what they wanted to do with the estate. They had the children, they had the estate they had created, and probably said that if dad were to die before mom, he leaves everything to mom. Mom dies before dad, then she leaves everything to dad. And the perfect expectation was that when one of us is dead, the other one will not do anything silly as meet somebody else and start changing the wills. If your mom probably had any inkling that if she died before dad and dad would then get remarried and start writing a will and adding other people to the will, she probably would not have left the estate to him directly, would she? Probably not. She would have left the estate to some form of a trust to say that, look, when I'm dead and gone, I want this money to be available to help my husband as long as he is living. And when he is gone, this money can be used to be distributed to my children, not to my husband's new wife or whatever other arrangements that he is making. And the hard part at this point of time is that unless and until you can show or make a showing that your dad is dealing with dementia issues or diminished mental capacity. He is not able to appreciate what he is doing or that his new wife is taking advantage of a vulnerable old adult. I mean, he has been basically kidnapped and, and, and his mind has been hijacked and she is making him do things that he doesn't want to do, which will be a very high bar for you to overcome. There, unfortunately, is little you can do at this point in time. The time to do all of this was when mom was still living to make sure that when she was there, planning should have been done differently. And we should be clear about our expectations, not just assume that when I'm dead, my spouse will do exactly what I want them to do. We just we, we don't talk about it in our society. And that's what you're dealing with. I am so sorry for what you're going through. Uh, if you still want to pursue this, I would have you call some good estate planning lawyer, some litigator, and start with LifePoint Law. There's a young man called Aaron Baker who can probably at least triage the situation and talk to you and tell you whether this is something you should be looking at or not. And you can call LifePoint Law at 253, write this down, 253-838-3454. That's 253-838-3454 and ask for Aaron Baker. And he should at least be able to give you a sense of what you're looking at. I, I would not hold out a lot of hope, uh, but I don't want to throw cold water on the case either. I wish you the best here. Thanks so much for the call. All right. Now let's take another call. Hi, this is Aging Options. How can I help? I have a question about uh, signing up for Medicare. I'm 66 and I'm working and uh, don't anticipate retiring anytime soon. My wife turns 65 next month and she is not working. She's been a stay-at-home mom, and I'm concerned about uh, signing up for Medicare. I have health insurance uh, with work, and that will continue, but I'm not sure how all of this 
ties together. And if I should sign up for Medicare now or, or just wait till I'm not insured anymore? You know, and that's such a common question people have is that uh, uh, the question about Medicare when you have insurance through your employer. And the short answer to this is that if you're working for a large employer, large employer meaning more than 25 employees, and they provide you group coverage, which is equivalent or better than what Medicare offers, then technically you don't have any reason to have to sign up for Medicare. But just because you don't have to doesn't mean you should not. Medicare has different parts to it, as you well know. There's Medicare Part A that covers for hospital bills. There's Medicare Part B that covers all the bills that are going to be incurred outside of the hospital setting. And then there's Medicare Part D, isn't David, which is the drug coverage. And at the very least, what you should be doing at this point of time is to signing up for Medicare Part A because it doesn't cost you any money. Now, you shared that your wife was a stay-at-home mom, so assuming that she has no uh, creditable quarters, meaning she has not been working, she has not been contributing to Medicare, she would have to qualify through your work record, which means that if you want your wife to be signed up for Medicare Part A, you would also have to be signed up for Medicare Part A. So at the very least, what I would be suggesting that you do is to sign up for Medicare Part A for right now, ask the employer to give you a letter clarifying that you have uh, health insurance through your group plan, which is equivalent to or better than Medicare, and just keep that letter in the drawer so that at 70, 72, whenever you do choose to retire and you go to Medicare and say, well, I'm ready to, to enroll in Medicare right now, it is possible that Medicare is going to say, uh, oh, great, uh, either show us that you were insured or we are going to uh, impose a penalty on you for not signing up for Medicare at age 65. And that letter will really come in handy at that point of time. So that's an easy answer for you. Uh, my suggestion, sign up for Medicare Part A. It doesn't cost you anything for both you and your wife. And then you can sign up for Medicare Part B and or Part D later on. What a great question. And if you have a question, you can give us a call at 877 76 aging that's 877-762-5464. One thing I want to mention is our online classes, absolutely free for you to take, where we explore the, yeah, the mysteries of retirement planning, the mystery of why so many people fail in retirement. Look, you don't have to. What you're going to learn in the classes is not the lack of knowledge or know-how or planning that we end up doing. It is the utter and the failure to understand what proper planning looks like. There's a lot of planning that goes on about retirement, but traditional planning is the reason why people end up failing. The free online class that you can attend, it sheds light on what is wrong with traditional planning and how you can plan differently to eliminate the gaps and the holes. Go to lifepointlaw.com There'll be two or three events that are always there, and you can register right there online. I promise you, you'll be happy you did. Hey, let's take another call, shall we? Hi, this is Rajiv. How can I help? I have a question. Um, I attended your seminar, and I was very impressed with the Safe Harbor Trust. My question is, it seems like it's more for couples than a single person. Is that true? 
Well, first of all, thank you for attending this seminar and recognizing the power of the Safe Harbor Trust. So the government must have done something right by promulgating rules uh, that, that are doing the right thing. And you're right. Not too many people really talk about the Safe Harbor Trust. But let me put your mind at ease. Even though I talk about the Safe Harbor Trust in the context of a married couple, its viability and application for single people is just as vibrant and just as useful. So, uh, but it'll work a little bit differently. And let me explain to our listeners who have not attended the seminar, what is a Safe Harbor Trust? A Safe Harbor Trust is a trust that recognizes that the single biggest financial threat any retiree faces in retirement is if you fall ill and Medicare says we don't cover that illness. Why not? Because what you're dealing with is not necessarily a medical illness. It is more something that is considered to be long-term care in nature. You either have Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, old age, either you had a stroke and you became paralyzed or somewhat compromised and you need someone to help you with your day-to-day living activities, cook for you, clean for you, get you out of the bed, get you into the shower, everything that home care, home health, assisted living and nursing homes do, none of that stuff is covered in any meaningful way under the Medicare system. But long-term care insurance policies cover that stuff. Only problem is that you have a very small number of Americans who actually have a long-term care policy. But where if you didn't have a long-term care policy, fear not, you have VA and Medicaid programs that will cover that 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 uh, issue that bill that you're getting from long-term care but only after you have spent everything down to two thousand dollars so the reason why you felt that i was talking about only married couple is this married people if you've been married long enough uh live in a community property estate where everything is 50 50 so we know that the husband or each spouse neither spouse has an any obligation to leave their 50 percent to the other spouse So if the husband dies, there's no rule that says the husband must leave his half to the wife. So what what, what I explain in the seminar to you is it may be better for the husband not to leave his or her half to the spouse. Why? Because if he left it to the spouse and then the spouse fell ill, she would have to spend all that money down to $2,000. But if instead the husband put the money into a safe harbor trust for the benefit of the spouse... The spouse would have access to the money. She could use the money if she needed to use the money. But if she needed to go on Medicaid benefits, this money in the trust would not be required to be spent down to $2,000. So that's the application to the married couple, and it's a pretty easy explanation. So how does the Safe Harbor Trust for single people works exactly the same way? The only problem is you don't have a spouse. That's right. You don't have a spouse. So... Who can you leave the money to if not your spouse in your will? So the way for single people, the rules are going to be the day you apply for Medicaid, how much money can you have to your name? The same $2,000 that any other applicant is going to be allowed to have. If you were married, you could move the money from uh, the spouse to the other spouse. But for single people, there is no spouse. The only people you can transfer the money to is your children or some family member who you're naming as your agent under your legal documents. So the problem for single people is anytime money is transferred to anyone other than a spouse, which necessarily for single people has to be the case because you don't have a spouse, 
there's a rule that Medicaid applies that says, have you given away any assets in the last five years to anyone other than a spouse? Well, the married people didn't give anything to anyone other than a spouse. They gave it to the spouse. So the five years does not apply to married people. But single people who don't have a spouse, they will get caught in this trap and they'll have to say, yes, I gave money away to whom? To my child, to my agent, to my family member, to whoever I trust will use this money for my needs after I have transferred it to them. And if you have given away money within five years, then you don't get Medicaid benefits for up to five years from the day that you make the gift. So the application of the Safe Harbor Trust for single people is this. You can gift the money away, but do that five years before you plan on falling ill. Yeah, plan. Nobody plans on falling ill at all, but do the do the transfers as soon as you possibly can. And when you transfer it out of your name, that will start that five-year look back running. And you can transfer it directly to your child, and the child can go create a safe harbor trust, or you can create a safe harbor trust and name the child as the beneficiary. Clearly, there is an application for the safe harbor trust for single people. And in my opinion, probably more important for single people to be using the Safe Harbor Trust than married people. I hope that gives you a good education about what Safe Harbor Trust is. And if it does not, you know how to reach us. You can email us at radio at agingoptions.com if you have more questions, or simply just call 877-76-AGING. That's 877-762-5464. And boy, time flies, doesn't it? And it's time for us to take a break. But before we take a break, remember, we are still playing what year was it? What year was it when the Batman TV series debuted on ABC television? The U.S. population exceeded 195 million people. Ronald Reagan entered politics by becoming governor of California. And this was the most popular song of the year. Then I saw her face Now I'm a believer Was it 1966? Was it 1967? Or was it 1968? We'll be back right after the break. It's an uncomfortable fact by age 85. More than half of us will struggle with The families dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and other serious conditions will face a financial crisis that traditional retirement planning simply does not address. Learn how to protect your assets and protect your quality of life at a free and groundbreaking Life Care online class sponsored by LifePoint Law and presented by elder law attorney and retirement planning coach Rajiv Nagayach. There is no substitute for good planning. It means peace of mind for you and those you love. Join Rajiv Nagayich for an upcoming free, no-obligation online class Tuesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m., Tuesday, March 30th at 6 p.m., or an in-person class in Federal Way Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. Bring your questions and get answers. Find out more and make your reservations now. Join Rajiv for one of these free, no-obligation classes at LifePointLaw.com or by calling 253-838-3454. LifePoint Law, located at 319196th Avenue South, Suite A100, Federal Way, Washington, 98003. Now, back to Aging Options. Health, housing, finance, legal, and family. My life, my plan, my way. Know your options. Here is life planning coach Rajiv Nagayich. 
and welcome back to Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagaraj. Let's go straight to a call. Welcome to Aging Options. How can I help? I have a question. Uh, my wife and I, we have separate accounts, and that's part for not financial reasons. Uh, other things in the mix. Now, if anything happened to my wife or myself. Is there a process like a power of attorney or some some type of a form with the bank that if anything happened to either one of us, either one of us uh, died or deceased, uh, I know it's a community state. Now, what, I I mean, would the, the surviving spouse be able to access the funds in either account? Right. So let's let's talk about a couple of things, and I'll give you your answer. I think the answer is simpler than what you think it is. But how large roughly is your estate? Is it over a million dollars, under a million dollars? How large is your estate? Oh, it's under a million dollars. Okay. So your question is, you, you really are thinking, as most of us are conditioned or educated to think, that if I die, I want to make it easy for my wife. How do I make sure that this account is going to go to her and she won't have to deal with a lot of hassles? We have separate accounts. And there are two or three different ways you can go about doing that. The simplest way is you can go to the bank and add her name as a joint owner. When you die, that money will go to the joint owner, which will be your wife, so there won't be any fuss, no must, no probate, and she gets the money. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is go to the bank and you don't want to have her as an owner because you want to keep your account separate, but you can name her as the beneficiary of that account. So when you die, the money in that account will go to her. It's called a transfer on death designation, right? And when you have a beneficiary designation, there's no probate. It turns a asset into a non-probate asset and she'll get the money straight away. Uh, She just shows a copy of the death certificate and that's done. But what that would mean is that you have to do that exact same thing with each and every single account you own. And you don't want to do that. So then your third way of doing that is to be able to prepare either a will or a trust. And in the will or the trust, you will say, look, uh, we live in a community property estate. Everything is 50-50. There's no law that says I have to leave my half to my wife, but I'm going to choose to leave my half to my wife. And that document is called a community property agreement. So when you die, there won't be a probate, and all the assets will go to your wife. So you can you, you have choices. And being a lawyer, I would say, you know, I think a better way to do that is do some legal document, like a community property agreement will trust something along those lines. But here's what okay. you're missing out on. You know, Charlie, I'll say this with a lot of humility, sir, that in our society we have conditioned the people to think that the – thing that I need to plan for is what happens to my loved ones when I die. What is missing in that is, well, what happens to, to your loved ones while you're living and you're no longer able to manage your affairs? That's a much bigger problem that we ignore. Because while you're living, you are probably going to be hoping I don't end up in a nursing home or become a burden to my wife or my children and I don't end up dying broke. Your single biggest financial threat that you're dealing with if you were to become ill, is if you fall ill and Medicare says we don't cover that illness. Why would Medicare not cover anything? Because what you have is long-term care. And Medicare will not cover long-term care. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, old age, frailty, everything you're more likely to deal with as you grow old, none of those things are covered by Medicare. But Medicaid will, VA will, 
For that, you don't need to. So the point I'm making is we worry about probate. We worry about making it easy when we die. 70% of us are going to lose a lot of the money because we lived a bit too longer and we lived not being independent, but we became dependent on other people because of our health issues. And the costs of long-term care can range from $3,000 a month to upward of fifteen dollars to $18,000 a month for every month you're living. Compare that to the probate issues that we talk that everyone talks about in the legal industry. Oh, you want to avoid probate, avoid probate. Why do I want to avoid probate? It'll cost you. How much will it cost me? Between three to five thousand dollars one time after I'm dead. Compare that to I'll be spending between three thousand to fifteen thousand dollars a month for every month that I'm living if I have to deal with uncovered medical or long term care expenses. Which is the bigger issue we should be talking about? And I would dare say, Charlie, I think you would be better off trying to really understand this, not in just small chunks, because you're looking at a microcosm right now. You're looking at what happens to me when I die. But you have to focus on more than just dying. Okay. So we do have a will, naming okay. each, each other. Uh, when you say the community, I mean, we have just a standard will of naming each other if either one of us. Uh, passes that everything would go to each other, right? Now, that would even, uh, and okay, back to the ownership uh, on an account. That doesn't mean you're actually on the account. It's just, uh, what, a certificate of ownership? It's, yeah, it, it, so you just go to the bank and say, I want to add my wife as a joint owner, or I want to add oh, my I wife as a beneficiary. So they'll give you a form, you'll sign it. She doesn't have to sign it. You'll sign it, and it's done. Okay. Thank you much. All right, Charlie. Hey, thank you so much for the call and age on. Hey, let's take another call, shall we? Hi, this is Rajiv. How can I help? I've got a question for Rajiv. Uh, He's uh, put together our will and a safe harbor trust for us, and uh, it was quite a few years ago. And I've got some questions about... uh, the person, um, the trustee, or, or whatever you call it, who manages half of the estate. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering what, how much power do they have over the, the half of the marriage that's left? So about the half of the marriage that is left, they have no power over. The half of the, the, the assets that are placed into the trust, they have discretionary authority to use the power to benefit the surviving spouse. So between you and your wife, remember, we live in a community property state, right? Right. And in a community property state, you and your wife actually control the disposition of 50% of the estate upon your death, meaning you can leave your 50% to whoever you want to. You don't have to leave it to your spouse if if you chose not to do that. And my counsel to people the small to mid-sized estates, under $2 million for sure, certainly $1.5 million below that if you're married. Your single biggest financial threat is that if you needed long-term care and Medicare says there's no coverage, then you would be in a situation where you have to spend all that money down to $2,000 before the Medicaid program may step into your lives and help you cover some of the long-term care issues. So for that reason, I had we probably would have discussed with you and you bought into the idea that, look, it makes sense that I want the money to be available to my spouse, but not necessarily in her name. So you left it in a trust, and then you probably looked at your family and said, look, after I am dead and gone, 
our children are the ones who will be worried about and taking care of mom. So why don't we name them as the trustees? So you you created this trust, and your will says that when I die, 50% will go into this trust, and the children will be the trustees. Two things that you Correct. need to be thinking about. One thing is your wife still has 50% of the money, right? So the, the entire estate is not there. So she is not destitute, nor does she have no means to be able to make her own decisions or, or, or conduct her own life. But the other 50% that is in the trust, it is strictly controlled by the terms of the trust. And the terms of the trust say, you kids can only use this money to take care of mom and nobody else as long as she is living. And if she calls for some of the money and says, I want to take a cruise around the world and it's going to cost $14,000, I want you to go pay the ticket. Unless until that distribution of the $14,000 would disrupt some other person paying for the same bill, the trustee cannot say no to that request. So there is a a level of control. There's a level of discretion the trustee has in making the distribution because we don't want Medicaid to step into the mix and say, oh, you've got enough control, uh, wife of Dave. Uh, Why don't you ask the trustee to pay this bill? Well, she does not have that level of control over the trust, but she certainly is the one who is identified as the beneficiary and the trustee must do everything to benefit the beneficiary. Okay, so so they can act. The, the surviving spouse can actually use some of the other fifty percent through the, the trustee. That, yes, through the trustee. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Right. And All you know, right. Dave, if it's been a while since you've come in, and every five years or so we send a letter out and say it, maybe it's time to come and just make sure that we have everything still working in the same direction. Very good. Thank you very much, Dave. Age on. Thank you. And it's time to go to our fun feature that we've been playing. Yeah, you got it. It's another edition of What Year Was It? When the Batman series debuts on ABC television, the U.S. population exceeds 195 million. Ronald Reagan enters politics by becoming the governor of California, and this was the most popular song of the year. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a Okay, now, what year was it? Was it 1965, 66, or 67? We'll give you the answer by 11 o'clock. It's an uncomfortable fact by age 85, more than half of us will struggle with some form of dementia. The families dealing with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and other serious conditions will face a financial crisis that traditional retirement planning simply does not address. Learn how to protect your assets and protect your quality of life at a free and groundbreaking Life Care online class sponsored by LifePoint Law and presented by elder law attorney and retirement planning coach Rajiv Nagayach. There is no substitute for good planning. It means peace of mind for you and those you love. Join Rajiv Nagayich for an upcoming free, no-obligation online class Tuesday, March 23rd at 6 p.m., Tuesday, March 30th at 6 p.m., or an in-person class in Federal Way Thursday, March 25th at 6 p.m. Bring your questions and get answers. Find out more and make your reservations now. Join Rajiv for one of these free, no-obligation classes at LifePointLaw.com or by calling 253-838-3454. LifePoint Law, located at 319196th Avenue South, Suite A100, Federal Way, Washington, 98003. Safe, independent, living in comfortable surroundings. That's where we all want to be. 
It's no different for your parents and other elderly relatives, even as they age. How do you make it easier for them to stay in the home they love by bringing the care to them? HomeWatch Caregivers can help. With more than 40 years of experience providing compassionate care, HomeWatch Caregivers is America's oldest and most experienced home care company. We know what to do, we know how to help, and we know how to make care affordable. When you compare the cost and benefits of home care to nursing homes or other institutional settings, you'll be amazed at just how affordable in-home care can be. HomeWatch Caregivers, Western Washington's best home care. HomeWatch Caregivers. Call us today at 253-564-1006 to schedule your free consultation. That's 253-564-1006 or visit us on the web at homewatchcaregivers.com. Call us today at 253-564-1006. HomeWatch Caregivers. Let our family take care of yours. Now back to Aging Options. My life, my plan, my way. Changing the way America thinks of, plans for, and navigates through retirement. With life planning coach, Rajiv Nagayich. And welcome back to Aging Options. This is Rajiv Nagayich talking all things aging. If you want answers how to succeed in retirement, this is the place to call. You can reach us at 877-76-AGING. That's 877-762-5464. Sherry, welcome to Aging Options. What's in your mind, dear? Yes, lots happened this year. Um, not only all the stuff going on in the world, but I turned 65. Oh, and nice. you were talking about different insurance companies. And um, I don't know if I'm supposed to mention the brands, but there's one that starts oh, sure. with Oh, no, go ahead. Go for it. Oh, Molina and one United. Um, yep. And I was just wondering if there's a, a better, if one is considered better than the other. With with every company, uh, they will all have their own unique advantages, and they'll all have their own unique limitations. United yeah. Healthcare happens to be one of the largest players in the area. Uh, they they we have the largest group of geriatric care doctors uh, uh, that you can pick from. So it it, it happens to have uh, the national reach, and 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 it has some unique advantages in that it is really big. Being big also sometimes means that they may not be nearly as personal as the other group is going to be. Molina happens to be a much smaller player. Molina's advantage really is that they cater to the needs of young, uh, of uh, people who could potentially qualify both for Medicare and for Medicaid, which means that it is more designed for people who may not have a lot of income as they are aging and, uh, and they're getting into retirement. Uh, mm-hmm. They're a regional player. They may not have all the bells and whistles that United Healthcare has. So I think from the company perspective, that's the way I would look at it. But that's not the way I would suggest that you look at insurance. Sherry, so you're turning 65. First of all, happy birthday. Did you already turn 65 or are you about <laughs> yes, to? I did. I did a okay. couple months ago. Okay. So you've got three months from the day that you turned 65 to enroll in Medicare. Are you still working? Um, just kind of freelance, yeah. Okay, so you're not working for a large employer, which means you have to, you're required by law to enroll in Medicare. Have you done that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. And uh, they, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a problem or not, but they messed up my name. And so now the name on that is different than my name on my Social Security. They changed everything. It just messed up everything. So <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that's going to be a problem or not. I think you'll be okay as, as long as you have proof that you enrolled in there. And now that you have enrolled in both Medicare Part A and Part B or just Part A? Yes, I did. I okay. did. So now your question is how to get the supplement plan. 
How mm-hmm. is your health overall on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 meaning I don't take any medications, I'm a sports buff, I'm out there, I'm doing everything. One being I'm pathetic, I'm bedridden, I'm overweight, I never do anything. <laughs> okay, Where well, are I don't you take any scale? medications, but I'm pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not exercising very um, yeah. much. So that means... I, I'm pretty healthy. Okay, if you're healthy, but you're not an exercise buff and all that sort of neat stuff, then what I'd say is understand, you know, most people think of healthcare as uh, having an insurance company so that if I fall ill, I will have access to healthcare. I'll be able to go to a doctor, I'll be able to see, a, a, go to a hospital, and I'll get treatment. And that's every company in America, even the smallest company, the most pathetic company, does a pretty good job of providing healthcare after you fall ill. The true uh-huh. measure of a health insurance company is what do they do to help you not fall ill to begin with? Because uh-huh. the broader goals in life are going to be, and, and easily you can connect to this, as you keep growing older, you don't want to end up in a nursing home. You don't want to be a burden on other people. You don't want to end up paying money on uncovered medical and long-term care expenses. How do you do that? By not falling ill. So uh-huh. the trajectory that I say to my clients is this. I, I, I've always said that. We we buy insurance the wrong way. We first buy the insurance and then we start seeing which hospital, which doctor will I be able to go ahead and see, where it should Uh be the other way around. We know empirically, we know data shows and research shows that people who pick a board-certified geriatric doctor and a geriatric team, they reduce the risk of going to a nursing home by as much as 40%. Most insurance companies give lip service to geriatric care. Only a small number of companies will give you access to a meaningful number of people who are board-certified geriatric doctors. Second thing you want your insurance company to do is to give you the ability to get into research hospitals, which would be University of Washington hospital system in the state of Washington. And not every company is going to do that. Next, you want to make sure that your insurance company will allow you to see a doctor of your choice. You don't have to go to a primary care physician to say, you know, I want to go ahead and consult with a nutritionist. I know my nutritional habits are not nearly as good. I'd like to go ahead and consult with one and see if I can up my game up there a little bit. You, yeah, it would be so do. much better if you could just go directly to this doctor and not have to go to your primary care doctor, which will take three months to get an appointment, and then they may give you uh, a a referral to see this person. So the bottom line, what I'm saying is this. Don't pick an insurance company before you pick your doctors and the players that you want to go ahead and work with. Make your mission to use healthcare not to fall ill. It's counterintuitive. Eat right, exercise, socialize, and have the right people on the medical team. Because your time is running short, if I was to go ahead and pick between these two companies, I would first of all have to make a choice. Do I do traditional Medicare or Medicare Advantage? If you can afford traditional Medicare, I would much rather you go into traditional Medicare. If your money is really tight, then you pick a Medicare Advantage plan with a zero premium plan. And then the rest of the year, when you go into 2021, Embark on a journey on picking your medical team. Make sure that you can pick people who will help you stay healthier longer. One thing I was considering is the idea of actually moving out of the United States. And I was wondering about any recommendations about best places to go. And what about getting benefits if I move? First of all, understand this. Going overseas. Are you married? Are you single? Do you have children? Single. Single, no children. 
No children. Okay. So I think before you say that I'm going to be gone forever, don't do that. I think go and test this theory out. You have to get getting out of America and going live in Belize or going in South America, Europe, wherever you're going to go. You can go someplace. Pick a place where there are a lot of expats. Because for you to integrate into a brand new culture and not be taken advantage of by somebody who's looking uh, at a gringo coming in with lots of money, uh, I think be, be careful about that. And when you go overseas, do not drop your insurance. Most people make the mistake of, oh, I'm, I'm in Panama or I'm in, in South America somewhere and they've got a good healthcare system. Costa Rica, they've got a good healthcare system. I've had several clients who've gone there, had cancer, and that system tells them if you really want to get meaningful care, you've got to go back to America, but they had dropped their Medicare right. Part B, and they didn't have a Medicare supplement plan, and by the time they got right. here, they got wiped out financially. Uh. So when you, if you go overseas, go to a place that has expats, and there's no one place that is utopia for everyone, check out several places. You're young enough right now. You can go to, over the next three, four years, go to three or four different places, go to Europe, Go to Southeast Asia. Thailand uh, is a big place. India, there's an there's a area called Goa in India that is a hub for expats. Uh, South America is chock full of Americans, uh, expat Americans living up there. Go to three or four of these hubs. See where will you fit in best. And once okay. you like that area, then you go stay there for three or four years before you make a final decision that you're never going to live in America again. Very good, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling, and 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 I'm so glad you're listening to the show, Sherry. And and best wishes to you as you turn 65 to your new chapter in life. <laughs> All right. Hey, John. Sherry. Thank you again. Bye-bye. One thing I want to mention is our online classes, absolutely free for you to take, where we explore the yeah the mysteries of retirement planning, the mystery of why so many people fail in retirement. Look, you don't have to. What you're going to learn in the classes, it's not the lack of knowledge or know-how or planning that we end up doing. It is the utter and the failure to understand what proper planning looks like. There's a lot of planning that goes on about retirement, but traditional planning is the reason why people end up failing. The free online class that you can attend, it sheds light on what is wrong with traditional planning and how you can plan differently to eliminate the gaps in the holes. Go to lifepointlaw.com. There'll be two or three events that are always there, and you can register right there online. I promise you, you'll be happy you did. Well, another hour has flown by where we have been discussing the mysteries of retirement planning. It's time for us to reveal the answer of what year was it when the Batman TV series debuted on ABC television, the U.S. population exceeded 195 million. Ronald Reagan entered his political career by becoming governor of California. And this was the most popular song of the year. Then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. A doubt in my mind. Was it 1966? Was it 1967 or was it 1968? Well, if you guess that it was 1966, you would be right. I hope you will join us next week at the same time and the same place. And we will take your calls and discuss many other aspects of retirement planning, which hopefully will put you on the path to success and away from the path to failure in retirement. This is Elder Lord Attorney Rajiv Nagaj. 
Thank you for joining us. Age on, everyone.